This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. P.O. Grey Hospital. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Joe Keegan, and joined with me today is Amy Nelson and Justin Ozer. Amy, how are you today? Hi, I am doing very well today. Thank you so much. Very excited to talk with you guys again this week. I know. It's so cool. Justin, you? Yeah, great to be here. Great to have you, Amy. Two weeks in a row after you're out for two weeks. So, and I think we've got a great topic coming for everyone today. Just, you know, we talk about the next generation every week, and it seems like we can't find more stuff to talk about, but we always do somehow. <laughs> and it's always good stuff. Yeah. That's what I love about next gen. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's cool. You're both okay. I have some news. Yeah. This is my first anniversary of podcasting oh so it was literally a year ago like i think on it must be a year ago today where i guested on the earl gray episode where we were talking about Picard's has it been family. a year wow oh my a whole, goodness a whole year, congratulations a whole orbit round our yeah. son i know so happy podcast cheers <laughs> we are thank so you, glad to you. have you Every week now, instead of just a guest. I know. And look at me now. I'm like the king of the world. It's amazing. I'm like Leonardo DiCaprio on Titanic. <laughs> well, I'm so glad I invited you on a year ago. I'm yeah, so, I am I'm too. so glad you did as well. Oh, anyways, let's do some feedback. Interestingly, we have some iTunes reviews from Australia and Canada. Yeah, so we have some reviews from Australia and Canada. They're actually from a little while back, so listeners, we might have mentioned there's a service that we're using now to try to take a look at reviews on Apple Podcasts that are coming in um, all over the world, and got a notification recently that we had some in Australia and Canada earlier this year, so that's really exciting. Can I read the first one, Joe? You can, okay. indeed, which is looks like, for me, being from the UK, looks like it's from yes, the future. because the, the way the dates work in Apple Podcasts. Indeed, the 1st of November <laughs> or the 11th yeah. of January, which is Actually, my it was birthday. from the 11th of January, but you're right. We do things yeah. weird that way in the US. But this one came from Australia and user jai.ford with a subject of I listened to the end and a five-star review saying, thanks for a great discussion about my favorite track. I've really enjoyed hearing about the lost episodes. Keep up the discussion. 
Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate the review and that you've been enjoying the show. Hopefully since January, you're still listening. We haven't scared you off or anything. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, thanks so much for that. And you mentioned the lost episodes, which we haven't done for a little bit. I think we had an idea for something that we need to do in the future. So there may be more coming. And I love that you listen to the end because yes. we have some fun discussion all the way. <laughs> I think more people listen to the so end important. now that they know we do bonus questions and other stuff. So And the little closing yeah. bit. I think that's really important. Yeah, listening to the end, that's that's the best reason to listen to Earl Grey. And for the three of us, obviously. Um, we've got another um, iTunes review from a listener in Canada, Thai Fighter, um, via Apple Podcasts, titled The Best TNG Podcast, obviously. Uh, that's me adding the obviously <laughs> in there, obviously. It's a five-star review, and Thai Fighter says, The hosts are upbeat and well-spoken. Such a pleasure to listen to intelligent people who love TNG. <laughs> well, that must be for Mar- me. Must be me. <laughs> well, no, no, Joe, me, I hate Amy, to break it to you. Obviously. That was from March, so it's not about you. But I'm sure they would still say the Seriously. same thing today. So thank you for the review. <laughs> thank you, TIE Fighter. And we have another one from Canada, Omega SAM87. And another five-star review says, Make it so good. Have enjoyed Earl Grey for the past four years. The current hosts, Amy, Justin, and Richard, really love the show and offer three unique perspectives. They try to keep each episode fresh with guest hosts, interviews with TNG alumni, actors, and production staff, and other creative ideas to discuss TNG like you've never heard before. So pour yourself a delicious cup of Earl Grey and enjoy listening. Great joy and gratitude. Well, thank you, Omega Sam 87. That's so wonderful and nice. It's really weird that people are listening all over the world to us speak on a Saturday night. I know there's a lot of, because we do get this information listeners about, you know, where it's charting and Apple Podcasts and it's all kinds of countries we haven't even mentioned. So it's, it's quite amazing that people listen from all over the world. Yeah. And that review was from April. So those are the ones that we have from Australia and Canada. So we do have other ones from the US and the UK that have come in in the last few months. We're going to, um, read those out in some coming episodes so we can catch up on on that kind of feedback and you know keep the reviews coming we really love it and it helps other listeners potential listeners even to know that we exist and to listen to earl gray and it's especially nice if you say good stuff because it helps our yeah but you know what if if there's we want to say just give 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 us your honest opinion it doesn't have to be a five-star review although we love it but whatever your honest opinion is we love it and it's great that we get a lot of good feedback Hmm. yeah Cool. We also have some Babel Conference feedback for Earl Grey episode 291, which was the power of words with our amazing guest, Shoab Mirza. So Amy, can you give us some feedback, please? Yes. Christopher Baca writes in, TNG was in first run when I started college and I was already into Shakespeare because of Star Trek. I took two classes on Shakespeare and I had the same professor for each class. She was also a Star Trek fan, so we wound up seeing a lot of videos and plays from the Royal Shakespeare Company that Patrick Stewart was in. Most of my experience with looking stuff up and exploring history came from watching Star Trek in the 70s when I found it as a kid. I learned about Botany Bay, the history of the Enterprise, which led me down the path to the war with the Barbary Pirates, the USS Constitution, and officers that served as captain of the Enterprise, the space program, the American Revolution, etc. Back in my day, we actually had to put some effort into it since we had to go to the library. 
Well, Christopher, thank you for your review. And it's great that you had that same professor who also loves Star Trek. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's fantastic. I mean, we've gotten some some great feedback from from other Star Trek fans who may have been introduced to it or, or love that their teachers or professors included Star Trek in their classes or introduced them to Shakespeare or something like that. So that was really great that you got all of that experience and, and learned so much. And uh, I remember back when you had to go to the library for all the information you need. You guys remember that, right? Yeah, it was hell. I thought something was kind of fun about the... Uh, the looking for information and the adventure of it. Maybe that's just how I was thinking about it, but it definitely took longer to find stuff out for sure. I think when I went to university, they had, like the internet was mm-hmm. a thing, barely, um, 1995, certainly over here, um, Netscape Navigator oh, yeah, was a thing. I remember. And the internet was super slow and it was all text based pretty much. There was very little imagery on it. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of tough. Nowadays, I think if I'd gone go back to uni now, I would, you know, it'd be so easy given the wealth of information that's on the internet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think. So that's cool. Yeah, the biggest gap in my knowledge, I think, out of all the subjects, is history. Um, I did not. I've never studied history to any great really? extent at school. It was never one of my electives in high school. One so, of my favorite things yeah. in high school was American history. Actually, that was. Possibly my favorite class. I just love delving into what came before and how it led to what came now. I definitely have lots of gaps for history outside of the U.S., <laughs> but but for the U.S., there's, yeah. there's a lot that I really loved about learning about that because that's where I live and that's what's helped to bring about kind of where we are now. Yeah. So we also have a comment from Casey Pettit who says, your bonus question slash responses really resonated with me. As a child, I was and really still am to an extent very shy. I've never had a ton of friends, and Star Trek has always been a sort of escape for me. Language and communication are important tools to us, as Joe so eloquently demonstrated for us in the episode. But unfortunately, they are used as a weapon by a lot of people. As someone who is teased and bullied in my youth, I can attest that the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is neither true nor helpful. And as I write this, I think of poor Reg, who the crew had made up mean nicknames for and was generally treated with disdain. I would hope that humans will grow out of that sort of thing, but I suppose if there can be war in the 24th century, then bullies by extension will have to exist too. Wow, okay. So that took a little darker turn than I expected, but it seemed like a good place to bring this up. So Casey, thank you for sharing that. So that was the bonus section of that episode, I think where we had, what was the question that I asked Joe? Now I'm trying to remember because it was a couple weeks ago. Was it like the impact of, of words on our own lives or something like that but anyway we got into you and i got into yeah what was it yeah we got we had we shared like this common experience yeah and and not having a lot of friends like a therapy session yeah apparently for our listeners too so we really appreciate it listeners when you um you know share a personal story or what something that we've said or something in a star trek episode how how it makes you feel or what it brings up so we really appreciate casey um you sharing that and yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of Im- important things there, and I think the experiences Joe and I were talking about, it's, you know, not just us. Other people have had lots of difficult experiences in their lives as well, yeah. I think a lot of television, but especially Star Trek and sci-fi in general, I think, um, can be a, an escape yeah. from real life for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Um, and Star Trek's, given the way it shows this kind of positive future that we can all hope to yeah. achieve, is 
I can imagine being really helpful. Certainly helped me. Yeah, I mean, it it, it helps me now as well because I, I work from home five days a week. Um, and so, you know, I'll work in the morning and if I've had like a really difficult time, I'll take like a lunch break and go downstairs and watch a Star Trek episode and I'll always feel better afterwards and like ready to tackle the afternoon. I mean, I'm very fortunate I work from home. I can do that, but it's helped so much in so many days for sure. Brian Narowski, another great episode. I'm glad Joe didn't say anything about Jellicoe's <laughs> communication style during this episode. Uh, but I will know that it's terrible. <laughs> it's not. One episode I thought, it is. Anyways, yes, I continue yes, with yes. Brian's amazing comment. Thank you. Uh, one episode I thought might be brought up was Loud as a Whisper. This is the episode where Reva was unable to speak but used a chorus to help communicate. Keep up the good work with the podcast. Joe, I think you are fitting in well on the show. Yeah, good call. I commented on his post on the Babel conference. That it was, it was, I kind of can't believe we missed that. I know there's so many examples of communication yeah. and language use in Star Trek, but loud as a whisper, like just screams it's, out. It's like, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a really great idea. episode. I mean, one of the reasons why maybe it hadn't come up, at least for me, was we had a previous uh, episode where I think um, Amy, you, me, and Richard had talked about loud as a whisper. That was for anyone who's interested. That was Earl Grey two eleven. Oh, over a year and a half ago. <laughs> so we talked about it quite a bit on that episode, but I think it is a really great example of the power of words and the impact that it can have and what it means when you feel like your ability to express those things is taken away. So yeah, that's that's a really great example. And Brian, we think Joe is fitting in very well on this podcast as well. So Glad you see that. I think had I been on the episode, I would have brought up Loud as a Whisper because it's one of my Mm -hmm. favorites and I like to bring it up a lot. And Reva is great. And the way that he uses his chorus, it's awesome and cool to think about that idea. Yeah, for sure. So thanks everyone for your Babel Conference feedback. I'm sorry if we didn't get to read your feedback out, but keep sending it and we'll maybe get around to reading it. So Justin... We are going to be talking about deleted scenes from TNG Season 4 today. And you are going to lead us in this epic quest through all these deleted scenes. Yeah, so now we're on to Season 4 for deleted scenes. So what we'll be talking about today are the ones on the Blu-ray. It's actually on Disc 6 of the TNG Blu-rays. There are 14 deleted scenes across 8 episodes. Some of them are kind of short. We'll see what we can get through. Maybe we'll need to do this in more than one part. But um, I, I thought it would, I, so I haven't seen these deleted scenes before because I hadn't really had the, the Blu-rays and I've just watched the episodes. So I always find this to be really interesting when we're taking a look at the deleted scenes. One thing that's a little bit different, I think, than some of the ones that we had had seen before is that I think starting with season four, they've actually like remastered the footage up to a certain point. It doesn't have like music or sound effects or whatever. And you can tell where there's a difference, but... Uh, the quality is a little better. Oh, you can so you, you tell, can tell where there's a difference, difference but it's a higher quality <laughs> than, than before. But yeah, so anyway, we're going to talk about a bunch of different uh, scenes here, and we'll see what we get through. So the first one is from the very first episode of season four, which is Best of Both Worlds Part 2. So um, there are a few scenes in here, and I'll just kind of describe what happened, and, and we'll we'll talk about it. So it actually starts with Riker looking out the the window and it's kind of similar I think to what you see later in in Darmok when Picard is looking out like this narrow window and he's kind of reflecting on the whole responsibility um and he's looking at 
Picard's empty ready room chair. And then Troy comes in, they're talking about kind of the risks and the consequences of, of everything that's that's happening and that losing Picard is like losing the leader of, of a nation. And Riker is saying that Picard was more like a father to him than his, his own father. Uh, so they have, I think, this really great discussion uh, and and then at the end of it, they kind of become more formal, like, thank you, Captain. Thank you, Counselor. Um, so I think that this is a pretty interesting scene that they they cut with with Troy and Riker kind of reflecting on things. Of course, there's Guinan talking to Riker about his responsibility and all of that. But, I mean, what do you guys think about this? Should this have been kept in or other things that you thought about it, Amy? Yes, this absolutely needed to stay. First of all, it's Troy. So, uh, but in all Troy scenes, that would have been Amy's decision if she was working on the show. Yes. (laughs) But what, what I love is that we get, you know, cause Riker asks, could you sense Picard or was Mm. he completely gone? And she's like, I could sense his humanity. Like she knew that Picard was still in there with Locutus. And then he asked the question, can you sense his pain? And then he's like, I don't, envy your powers at all your senses and I thought man that would be very difficult for Troy to have to deal with not only sensing his humanity but the pain and suffering that he's going through being Lacutus. and I really think it needs to stay in because Riker says this is his ship and we're going to fight every battle for him and then that just makes it so much more relevant when talking to Guinan, you know, and they say, well, now the Borg know everything Picard knows, and we got to throw the old book out the window. We have to start new. And so to have that contrast, I think is so important. And I loved seeing that. Your thoughts, Joe? I'm afraid this is one of these occasions where Amy Nelson and I have to agree. Oh, phew. This scene has to stay in, yeah. For two very simple reasons. The, at the very beginning, where you see Riker, like an external shot, looking through the rectangular window, yeah. you see that the Enterprise is actually made of wood. <laughs> Did you notice this? You have to go back and see it. The Enterprise is made of, like, plywood. Yeah, I mean, th- this is... For sure. They would have done more work, I think, on it before it would go no, into uh-uh. the episode. <laughs> it's like an old sailing ship. It's been hand-carved all 700 meters okay, of it. Sure. Out of wood. It was amazing. Anyways, to get on the the point of the scene is the discussion between Riker and Troy. You got kind of got the impression that they were both genuinely upset. Yeah. I think it's really well acted. And Troy, especially, she seems kind of on the edge, which is going to be undoubtedly down to her empathic abilities, sensing the anguish and the heart ache of the crew I think Mm -hmm. so yeah wonderfully acted it'd be a terrible time to be an empath when something as bad as that happens and you're there's this onslaught of other people's emotions and you're having to deal with your own kind of emotional compromise I suppose so yeah that scene definitely has to stay in okay but it didn't so yeah I mean I could see in a certain way that they they may have cut it for time because they're like, okay, there's this later discussion with Guinan and Riker and let's go with that. But it would have been nice to have the additional one. Mm. I mean, also, I think it's really remarkable that Riker is saying Picard was more of a father to me than my own father. We know from season two episode, The Icarus Factor, he has problems with his father, but I don't think 
in anything that is part of the aired episodes that Riker goes as far as to to say that Picard is like a father to him. So I think that's really important and that gets cut Ooh. out. Yeah. You know, and another thing that I really enjoyed was just seeing the relationship between Troy and Riker and how they have to balance between, you know, their personal versus professional feelings mm-hmm. and and how I mean, it came through, you know, he reaches and grabs her arms, you know, almost as in an embrace. And then that's when Deanna's like, well, you're welcome, Captain, you know, (laughs) and so sort of brings back, okay, we're still professional, but the emotional connection that they have is so like, you can see it, you can sense it, it's tangible. And, but yet we have to put it aside because we are professionals and we have to get through this, but we're going to get through it together. Mm-hmm. That connection between Troy and Riker was beautiful. Yeah. Riker says that. He says that the Starfleet training of the crew must have kicked in so they weren't overcome with grief. Yes, yeah. and I love that too. Job. I do that in my personal life. Like if something emotionally is coming down, I'm like, okay, I just have to throw myself into the work. And I'll have to deal with this later so I can just, I need to function right now. Yeah, and bring in your Starfleet training, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I think we agree that's a really good episode. So the next one that is on the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray is from episode two, Family. Now this has to do with the part of the episode where Wesley is seeing the hologram of Jack Crusher because it's been discovered there was this message that Jack wanted to give to, to Wesley after he turned 18. So... This is a part that's kind of, I think, inserted into the the rest of it, and and Jack is kind of going over some of the family history, who he was named after, a grandfather, Richard Wesley Crusher, apparently, um, who gave him flying lessons as a boy, and then he tells him about scholars and artists and, you know, the people that worked in the Museo del Prado and the Horse Thief on Nimbus 3, which is a sly little reference to Star Trek V, and et cetera, et cetera. So talking a lot about, you know, the family history and and the legacy, and Jack saying, you know, it's a fine heritage he'll want to pass along to his own children someday. So again, this is a part that's in the middle of like a longer scene. And I wanted to see, Joe, what do you think about this? And should that part have been kept in? Definitely kept in. I really liked it. I liked the fact that we got that bit of family history mm-hmm. about the crushers thought it was really poignant the monster maroon uniform i i still don't get it i liked it in the original series movies but in terms of, it just looks a bit daft without the i i the undershirt i, I know I and i think we and talked about this red. when we crossed over with standard orbit that uh, ken and zach really don't like it i like it i think it's fine yeah. it's not the best but it's casual in a hologram i don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. but it, it is very different what kind of struck me was the hologram i would have expected the hologram to follow wesley around the room not like make eye contact but then it was as if it was like a an almost a, a a static recording and he just looked straight ahead and maybe the changes in holographic technology in 18 years that yeah maybe. that's what i put it down but to, yeah possibly. he's like looking one way and wesley's like kind of Circling around him. Just yeah. kind of walking right orbiting him mm-hmm. almost. Um, I recognized the actor that played Jack Crusher. He's called the Doug Wert mm-hmm. um, from Stargate SG-1. He played Major Haddon in one episode. Hmm. That's cool. So yeah, definitely keep it, keep it in. Keep okay. It. Amy, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I agree, Joe. We're going to oh, have to agree twice. again. Two for two. What? I, I loved hearing the heritage 
of the Crusher family and the namesake and, you know, just that we're explorers and even a horse thief. I just thought, you know, it's not all good. It's not all bad, but this is who you are. And it adds to an importance within the Crusher family. And I wanted to ask, like, so Joe, you and I both agree. Mm -hmm. Justin, do you agree? Like, why is knowing where you came from so important? Why is it important? Well, we could probably spend a whole episode on that. But I, I mean, I think I think generally people are really interested in where they came from, where their ancestors came from, what kind of experiences they had in order to try to get a better understanding of themselves and how they may be in the world and how they may react to things or something they can draw inspiration from from their family's history or a cautionary lesson if it's something that you want to avoid. I think that all of those things and those people and those experiences kind of also contribute to who we are. I mean, I think it's a similar way that I'm interested in history, like the things that came before influence our, our world and the people that came before us that are, that our ancestors helped to contribute to who we are as well, I think. Yeah. I, I don't honestly know. I was thinking about it while Justin was talking. I was like, I, I really don't know if... Do I have I ever thought but I've not really ever thought about my ancestors or where I've came from really? I mean probably I don't you, think. You, you know, being in Scotland, a lot of your ancestors have probably been there for a long time, I'm guessing. Scotland, Ireland, I know yeah. kinda great grandparents one set I think came from Ireland, but yeah, I don't know all the details, so yeah. it's interesting. You know, as I was thinking about this and like why it is so important, I have a very rich family history on my mother's side. And I have stories of, you know, my, my family came across the plains and the pioneer movement. And, and so I have these stories of endurance and what they had to go through and to escape religious persecution. And, and like, that is a huge part of who I am. And when I think about, you know, going through some hard times, I can draw on that background of knowing, well, I came through, I came from this pioneer stock, my mother likes to call it. And it, it does, you know, empower me and strengthen me in hard times. And so I like seeing that, that that's still happening in the 24th century and that we have, and that we know where we came from. Yeah. On my dad's side, I know nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. I have my dad and his mother, but he doesn't know. I don't know my grandfather in any way. It's, you know, cut shorts. And so I think about, well, what if I didn't have my mother's heritage? If I didn't know, how would I be different? And it's an interesting thought experiment. Yeah. There's a lot that you can find out now, Amy, even just knowing, like, let's say your, your dad's information through census records and, and other things, you can actually learn quite a bit. I've, I've learned a bit about my own family histories, probably more about my wife's family history, which we've traced back hundreds of years. But, but like it, you know, in a certain way, when you know those things, it can help to shape how you think about things. Because for my ancestors, they came from like Eastern Europe and Italy in the late 19th century. And I know that they had very little probably almost nothing when they came over and it was probably in some desperate circumstances and just knowing that they were able to, you know, make it across an ocean kind of live and survive generation after generation to the point where I'm in a much better place than, than they were. I think it, it can be inspirational and to, to realize like, 
as hard as you may think about things on a daily basis, it's not nearly as hard as, as some of the things your ancestors went through is a really interesting feeling. So, yeah. yeah. I think I've just come up with a possible, potentially gross generalization that the question is possibly more relevant to Americans, given that America is an, an, a, yeah. kind of a nation of immigrants, essentially, mm-hmm. unless you're part of the indigenous population. So that's maybe why the question doesn't resonate so much for me, because we've been here forever. That's what I was thinking. Like, you know, probably a lot of your ancestors have been there for hundreds or thousands of years in Scotland and Ireland, and <laughs> don't, yeah, it'd be hard yeah, to yeah. find out information from how they got there or whatever. But yeah, that mm-hmm. is an interesting question. But, I mean, then... Amy's I disagree. I mean, knowing what your, you know, who your ancestors are and what they've gone mm. through doesn't matter if they, I mean, yeah, mine traveled the, these United States, you know, to get to Utah, but I, it goes back. I mean, I've, it's traced to the Mayflower and connections to Europe. And, but I mean, that's just their immigration patterns, like how they were living and, you know, the number of kids that they had and had to feed and stuff like that, that, that's across yeah. humanity, you That's know. True. Like, there are probably lots of interesting stories of your family, Joe, that you could uncover <laughs> from people there. Maybe someone who was uh, famous for something of the podcasting of its day. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I don't know. What would that be? Like a town crier or something? I don't know. Famous, hear ye, hear ye. famous author, this is newspaper the, the daily writer. podcast. <laughs> no. Listen, I was doing some history on a mathematician. Total side note. No. Uh, Marin Marseille, a French mathematician, uh, he was the first one to create a scientific magazine, if you will. But he was into networking and creating shared ideas. You know, across. Was it called Le Magazine Scientifique? <laughs> was it? <laughs> I, don't just know. I don't know. I, it's just the, the first scientific, scientific like magazine. and French so. <laughs> made up name for it. Yeah, but I mean, so here to learn, he, you know, was really big into networking and that's sort of podcasting, sharing Hmm. knowledge. sharing knowledge among a lot of people, yeah. Yes. Anyways, we digress. No, no, it's, I I think our listeners live for the digression sometimes. But anyway, um, (laughs) so the next one is the very next episode, Brothers. Brothers, I mean, I think you would think that they're going to have one for every episode the way they're going, but they don't. But they do for the first three. So Brothers is, of course, the episode where you see Lore and Data coming to Noonien Sung because he has summoned them there. And so this is kind of an expansion of a scene where Data and, and Sung are, are talking. Um, and it, it's basically some, some additional footage. There's kind of a funny part where he asks Data to, like, stand on one leg. And he's like, wow, it's great that you could do that. And here's the, I don't, this is my bad Noonien Sung. No, and that was good. I was good. I was. I was. I thought I was watching. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. So anyway, he says it's. it's work, you know. <laughs> he says it's great that he can do that, and he talks about some equations on a board. And of course, after Data's still doing this, and after a while, he's like, "Okay, it's okay. You can put your your leg down," which is kind of funny. And he quizzes him about like the difference between a humid day and and a dry day, and kind of takes Data through what that means and and the experience. So it's just kind of a an expansion of. Soong talking to Data to kind of see where he's at or or to, you know, push him along a certain um a certain way of of thinking. And I think in this deleted scene also Soong asks if if Data had had missed him. And of course Data's like, well, I assumed you were dead. <laughs> he doesn't really answer it. But but anyway, I I think it's kind of an interesting expansion, but it's already a longer scene. But the only note I 
the only note of note that I've got is data on one leg. Okay. Um, keep it in for that reason. Otherwise, I don't think it's really required. It doesn't really add anything to the, the episode because it's just a... It's, like you said, it's a part, an extended sequence of that the discussion between the two. I would keep it in for that and also the more we get to see Brent Spiner plays multiple characters simultaneously, then the better, because I think he does it really well. And then there's a point where Lord comes in later, so he's playing three characters at the one time. Mm -hmm. So I'll keep it in for those reasons, possibly. Otherwise, ditch it. Okay. Good call. Well, it was... I wrote in my notes that we don't need this scene. However, thinking about it again, and when you brought up the can data tell the difference between humidity and dry air. I like that soon pushes him because data's like, well, yeah, I can tell the difference. And on the enterprise it's kept it blah, blah, blah. And, you know, regurgitates the statistics of the humidity on the enterprise. But then soon asked him, but can you tell the difference internally? Oh yes. I have the capability, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, no, can you feel the difference? Or you know, it, he didn't use the word feel, but can you tell the difference? And he kept pushing him. And then Data had to actually think and just didn't regurgitate just the statistics of humidity versus dry air and was like, well, the scents are carried differently. You know, smells are carried differently on a humid day and the moisture on my skin. Like I appreciate, and I think... It's very good parenting when, you know, this father soon is pushing data to not just give the standard basic answer, not the computational, but getting to the how does that make you feel? Can you tell the difference? So I would keep Mm. it for that. Okay. I could kind of see it either way because it's already a a longer scene. But yeah, data standing on one leg. Listeners, you should go in. (laughs) and see it just for that you should see all these all these deleted scenes anyway so then the next one is in episode nine which is final mission so that's the one uh which is i think it's wesley's last episode as a regular character and this thing has gone on so that basically they have to go go to this cavern to find water but i think picard is is injured and Wesley is kind of tending to him. So there's kind of an extended part, I think, of that scene when when Wesley's talking to Picard, where Picard says that Wesley's reminding him of Jack Crusher's face um, and that he starts kind of talking a lot about Jack Crusher's death and that it was senseless and should have happened at night but not on a bright, cloudless afternoon. And there's something very... I think interesting about that. So uh, talking about that again, it's a scene that relates to Jack's death that got cut and Picard is maybe getting a little delirious in this scene, but um, Amy, what do you think of this, this part before we go on to the other scene? Yeah, I'm okay with it. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, it was nice, but then yeah, where Picard's sort of a little loopy. I mean, and, and then that adds to, you know, oh my gosh, something's wrong with him. Yeah. Um. I, I don't. I didn't really need it. Okay. Joe, what about you? Yeah, I, I think I agree. There's enough touching moments between Picard and Wesley that it didn't really add much to the whole episode. Yeah, I I, I'm kind of a bit ambivalent about okay. it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, I I could see that. See why it's caught. So so also from Final Mission, there's a later scene. 
uh, that takes place on the bridge. And I think of this basically as the scene that explains like, okay, they've located the, the shuttlecraft and how can we get a fix on it? How can we get get it there, get there and rescue them? And there's a bunch of techno Babylon, you know, Crusher wants to go on the away team, Beverly Crusher. So, I mean, it kind of gives you some background for how they're finding them and how they're getting there, uh, which you don't see in the episode. Uh, Joe, what do you think? It's kind of instantly forgettable. It's like any other yeah. scene where Data does beep, bloop, 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 and then, oh, yeah, we found them. Let's go get them kind of thing. So, again, it added less to the episode than the first. Oh, wow deleted scene from Final Mission. I okay, thought. Amy, you were shaking your head. I think Amy's disagreeing <laughs> with yes. me for the first time this episode, people. <laughs> Hold on to your horses. No, we definitely need the scene. And it may be that I'm watching these deleted scenes with rose-colored glasses, but the way that they have the, the shot and you have all the characters on the bridge, well, minus Picard and Wesley, obviously, it was just so beautiful and how they're, the shot itself is beautiful, and that needs hmm. to be for sure seen. But they decide that they can't beam because of insert techno babble, and then they try and figure things out. And so we have to send a shuttlecraft. Like I feel that that adds to the severity and purpose of why they had to send a shuttlecraft. So for those two very important reasons, I say keep it. That's interesting. I mean, I hadn't thought about the shot itself, which is nice, but but like I don't think it's necessary. I've never watched Final Mission and been like, wow, I need the explanation for how they found them and how they got down there. It doesn't matter. What matters is what's happening between Wesley and Picard on the planet, and somehow the Enterprise is going to rescue them. I actually thought it was kind of nice that they just kind of show up all of a sudden, and <laughs> you weren't expecting it. Hmm. But okay, so we have some different opinions on that one. So those are the ones from Final Mission. Now, the next one, this may take a little time to go through because there are quite a few deleted scenes from The Wounded, which is the episode where uh, Max, Captain Maxwell and the Phoenix kind of uh, goes out on a limb to, <laughs> to uh, destroy Cardassian supply ships. And it's the one that has Golma said and the first one with the Cardassian. So there is actually, I think, like five or six deleted scenes on this one. <laughs> so we'll go through um, each one of them. So the, the first one is... Um, kind of the, the staff expressing their concerns about allowing Cardassians on board. So this is something that I think that's inserted as part of a, a longer scene. So, but but Picard specifically says when he's talking about the Cardassians um, on, on the bridge that the difference between war and peace was up to how they might treat them and that could, could make the difference. So it was just kind of a little part that's inserted on the, you know, the, the, the part of, of the episode where, Worf, I think, was originally asking about restricting access on the ship. So, Joe, what do you think of that little bit? So, this little bit, I think that of all the deleted scenes, this is maybe the best because Picard has just given his reasons why the Cardassians should be given some amount of freedom around the ship. And both Riker and Worf are saying, but no, they're Cardassians. Let's kind of yeah. limit their access and have them followed and post guards everywhere. Um, but it's like that kind of thing where if there's a possibility of going to war and you want to try and avoid it, you want to try and develop some kind of trusting relationship between um, the two supposed enemies mm. and try and limit okay. any conflict. So 
So possibly keep it in if we had to. Yeah, <laughs> too. Okay, Amy. Yeah, I like it because Picard gives a great little nugget, you know, of inspiration. And, you know, he's like, what's the difference between, you know, peace and war and our actions or, you know, how we treat them makes a difference. And I think that's a little nugget of wisdom. So I would say keep it for that. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think it's 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 pretty interesting in Picard arguing to keep an open mind, whereas in the aired episode, it's kind of like, because that bit is cut out, it's like, all right, okay, we'll do that. But he's actually giving them like a gentle admonition that's like, keep an open mind, we want to treat them well, but okay, it's a good precaution. So I kind of like it. I, I probably would have kept it in. But the, the next one is a little bit later in the episode. We're in the transporter room, and, and Riker is talking to O'Brien. Actually, I think it's uh, Riker and Troy that are there, and they're talking about uh, Maxwell. And, you know, O'Brien's saying, well, yeah, I was proud to have, have served with him. And then Riker tells him about what Maxwell is actually doing, <laughs> where he's kind of going against orders and taking things into, into his own hands. And O'Brien saying that he'd bet his life there's a reason that Maxwell is doing that. Um, I, I think there is later in the episode a part where O'Brien says something similar, like there's got to be a really good reason. So it may just be duplicating that. Um, and it's clear that he's proud of it. But uh, Joe, I think you already expressed you might not want to keep this one. But how do you feel? It's so short, though. Yeah. It has to last like 15 seconds, if that. It's, it's fairly um, short. Yeah, so... I like the bit at the end where it goes back to the episode of the deleted scene and we see the Cardassians for the first time with their weird kind of helmet things oh, yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what do you... So, but that's already in the episode. Yeah. So. <laughs> what do you think, Amy? Yeah, I was watching this and I'm like, did wait, this is in the episode. So There's something the I think similar later. The fact that we see later, it yeah. and we already know it from the episode, absolutely delete it. There was nothing there. Although Riker and Troy did share a, a questioning look, like, huh? So, and I thought that was cute. So Amy would keep it in for the look between Riker and yep, Troy. Yep, Troy's in it, so. <laughs> so you got to keep it. Yeah. I think that's the name of the no, episode. No, I would delete it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then there's another one. So this is where Miles and Keiko are having dinner, and they're talking about his experience with the Cardassian. So again, this is something that's kind of inserted as part of a of a larger, a larger scene where, where they're talking about, uh, about this. And, you know, I think at, at one point in here, Keiko's saying it might not be easy for some people to forget because I think in the aired episode, O'Brien's like, I just feel fine about the Cardassians. War's over. Everything's good. But, but then in this, in this deleted part, Keiko's saying it might not be easy for people to forget. And Miles is replying that, uh, there are those that have grudges and they should just set their, feelings aside once the fighting's done and Keiko says that may be harder to do than to say so it's a little bit again that that adds to this but uh Amy what do you think yeah again I was watching this and I'm like I feel like they (laughs) already have that discussion or you know the fact that she's saying yeah it's not easy to forget or harder to do than say it's like that already comes through in their dinner together so I it's not needed because it comes through great without it. Yeah. Uh, Joe? Uh, it's going to be controversial. It's not needed because <laughs> the most annoying character in Star Trek. Oh, my it? goodness. Oh, Joe. I totally I'm disagree sorry. with that. And you know what? 
I have an idea for us in the future to just talk about Keiko for a whole episode. So what do you think about that? I'm on hold that week. <laughs> That's fine, because I have a guest in mind that could talk about okay, it. Okay, to be fair, we didn't make Richard do a whole episode on Wesley, so we <laughs> shouldn't torture. Uh, uh, wow. <laughs> That's fine, I'm sure. Do you know what? With all of these discussions, um, other people's opinions are really important, and it sometimes gives you a, a different view of a character. Yeah, you didn't want to talk about... You appreciate You didn't want more. to talk about Kern, but we talked about Kern, and you were like, oh, I'll have to look at that again. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. So, you know, other opinions are good, but I just so many times we saw Keiko and she was just super moany. I'm like, ah, oh, stop moaning. So I yeah, but apart totally from that, that this the scene this scene is part of the extended scene where they're talking about comfort food. Yeah. And like I'm with O'Brien because Irish food and Scottish food kind of share some commonalities. Um, so his idea of comfort food is like totally right up my street. Yeah, because he does list off more foods in part of the deleted scene, doesn't he? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I'm a bit of a foodie, so I really, I really appreciated that. I think it would be really interesting when, like, their relationship being from, let's say, different cultures. Yeah. She's of Eastern descent, and he's Irish. Then how does that work? Imagine that obviously they are married and they have kids together, and they they're still married as far as we know. Um, in Star what do you mean? How does that um, work? Like in terms of, I'm thinking in how as like you and I were both Scottish and I do all the cooking. So generally speaking, we eat the same things more or less uh-huh. all the time, kind of on repeat. I've got my same recipes that I use. But when you start a relationship with somebody that's from a completely different culture, how does that work? You've obviously got some completely separate favorite dishes. So do you alternate or does it naturally okay. go... I- I can speak to this because my wife has a Mexican descent. So I've been exposed to, I mean, I had already been exposed to to Mexican food or what's claimed to be that, but it's more exposure to those things and, and trying those things. And I mean, for me, I actually don't tend to eat things from my ancestors' cultures, I tend to eat things more uh, as far as like Asian food and things like that. But But you just kind of, you get a little bit immersed into that culture and what they eat and, and you try it and all of that and see what you think about it. So it's just more part of the learning experience, I think, the same way that you just learn about each other as different persons that have different likes for other things as well. So. Yeah. All right. So Joe would take out anything with Keiko, apparently. <laughs> so the the next scene there. Sorry, Keiko. Yeah. She might be a listener. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, I'll, I'll get her on for an interview. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, I'll, I love you, you're my favorite. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> I've turned around in the last couple of weeks. I love you now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, we can talk about Keiko another time. So so then the next part, it's kind of a little bit about these prefix codes um, that Picard is kind of considering releasing so that the Cardassian ships can can track Maxwell. So there's something that happens in here that I think is pretty interesting because Picard is basically, um, you know, makes the decision and tells Worf in this deleted scene, like, hey, relay the transponder codes uh, to the Cardassians, advise Maxwell will have relayed his location. Then, unless I heard wrong, Riker has an objection that then they'll be able to track all of our ships instead of just the Mm. Maxwell. 
uh, I'm not, the Maxwell's not a ship, just the Phoenix, which is captained by Maxwell. Oh my goodness. Um, and, and then that's kind of the end of the part because then it goes into the air part, aired part where Picard is like, okay, release the prefix codes. I think I'm kind of glad that they deleted that because somehow the implication was that for the one like prefix code you can track or can, tr- well, see, here's the thing with prefix codes. Of course, in the Wrath of Khan, the prefix code, what allowed you to control the ship and here it's more just the location and it's, I thought it was specific to a ship, so I'm kind of glad they deleted it. But anyway, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, was it, then the Reliance was 16309, yeah. wasn't it? And it gave the Enterprise crew control of the Reliant and allowed them to drop yeah. their shields. But that, that, the concept, the idea that there's a, some kind of universal password for all Starfleet vessels, you know, it just... That like, doesn't seem yeah. like good security, right? Not, not in the slightest. <laughs> Let me just trans- transmit a five-digit number and we've got control over the ship. Or in this case, yeah, it's the, the location. The idea that it would be a, a five-digit number. Yeah. It, instead of like an encrypted key that's part like factoring like huge prime numbers or whatever, right? I don't know. But <laughs> for a secure connection. Amy, Amy can tell us more about yeah. that. That's funny because literally just yesterday, I taught my kids about prime numbers. So. Nice. Funny you mention it. They're very important. Hmm. So, Amy, tell me, is um, the Reliance prefix code a prime number? <laughs> well, let me uh, put it into the don't, app. don't Google it. Don't Google it, Amy. <laughs> Come on. I have no idea. Yes. Is it? Yes or no? Yes or no? I, what is the code? I have no idea. One six three zero nine. I would think because it ends in a nine, it's divisible by three, but I no, don't know for sure. That's no. I'm, Oh, wait. Being, okay. doesn't being make mathematically sense, illiterate, of course it doesn't. Okay, wait. <laughs> Tell me the prefix code again. 16309. So it's not divisible by 3. It's not divisible by 4. It's obviously not divisible by 2. Not divisible by 5 or 10. Uh, 16,309. Uh, of course, I looked I'm up the answer, but I'm not going to say it. I don't know. I hold on, that's an invalid option. So, Joe, you know what an interesting mm-hmm. thing is? You know what the uh, mm-hmm. uh, what it's divisible by? Oh, no. Wow. 47. 47 and 347. <laughs> what? Wow. I feel like we've discovered something. <laughs> yeah, we did. I I think we've opened a, a portal to a, a, you know, another kind of. <laughs> oh my gosh! Right. So I'm so time. glad you pushed me on this, Joe. Yeah. So back in 1982, they knew that it would be divisible by a number that Joe Minoski would start inserting in scripts years later. How about that? <laughs> this is this is that's crazy. Crazy. Oh, wow. I mean, I could be wrong. Listeners, let us know. But we may be the first to have discussed that there is <laughs> a 47 reference within. The Reliance prefix I'm code. starting to believe in conspiracy <laughs> theories now and like higher powers. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Listeners are not going to remember anything else from this episode except that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is awesome. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well I'm, done. Okay. We're keeping speechless. it in oh, just yeah. for that. Oh, it's, this whole thing's been kept in. Yeah. Oh. Well, now that we've made that epic discovery, shall we go on to more scenes? I hope this doesn't yes. become no, boring. No, I, have, I have to have a lie down. <laughs> I'm just going to go into my happy space in my head. Wow. Okay. I'm back. I'm yeah. back. Unbelievable. Let's continue. Okay. Let's yeah, mm, get back in our heads. Okay. So after that one related to the Phoenix prefix code. So um, you actually, I mean, Maxwell has beamed aboard in the aired episode. You just see him directly in Picard's ready room, but apparently 
you know, you see him go through the bridge to the ready room and he sees Maset there. He's kind of surprised by it and gives like a disapproving look, but then just kind of moves on. So it's just kind of this short thing where, oh, actually before that, I think Maxwell is like, this is such a, I'm just paraphrasing, this is such a fantastic ship. Uh, wow. And then, and then he walks down the ramp and sees the Cardassian and he's just like, are there Cardassians aboard this ship? So anyway, um, what do you guys think of this, Amy? Yeah, we already know his disdain <laughs> towards the Cardassians. I mean, and do we really care that he has, you know, that the ship is beautiful? Yeah. I know. And, and I think it's kind of understated based on how he feels about it because he just gives like a dirty look. But I would have thought it would have been like he's shouting in anger. Or he tries to rush the guy or something. I know because <laughs> at the beginning of each deleted scene, it has a little, you know, this is what it is. And I was like, oh, we're going to see something. And then it's just a look. It's just a look. By Maxwell. I was like, OK, no, don't need it. Yeah. What, what do you think, Joe? I, I just liked seeing Gold the Cat's kind of evil twin. with Cousin the in the novel. Strange kind of. Cousin, yeah. oh, Justin, <laughs> I knew you would know something about the novels. It sticks in, um, yeah, it sticks his, in your mind weird, that, that Macedo's explained that way, but yeah. Um, his facial hair is just really strange, isn't it? It is, and I think he's the only Cardassian. It's like in a handlebar moustache without the top bit. Yeah, he's the only Cardassian we it. see with facial hair like that, right? I think so. Hmm. I think yeah. so, yeah. You like it? Okay. Yeah, I like it. Oh, no, no. The look of it. Oh, you like it? I'm, I'm like, yeah, hmm, okay. <laughs> It's very noticeable. So it is. Okay, but I'm still kind of mentally stuck on the whole 47 thing. <laughs> so did we did we mention that 16309 was not a prime number? Yes. Just in case our yes, listeners it's, didn't it's, it's not a for the record because it's divisible is, by okay. 47 and 347. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, but wow, I know it's going to blow your mind for a long time. Yeah. Okay, so we need like that at question to be asked on a trivia, and then we would all know it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. oh, I know, yes. <laughs> and I know why it's important. Yes. So wow. Okay. Wow, next wow, one. Wow. Okay. So there's one more deleted scene. So I think this is an extension where Picard is talking to Maxwell in the ready room, um, and basically, you know, where Picard is um, is asking about his documentation. And then Maxwell is like, well, you see things, you hear things, you add things up. And he's like, so you have no documentation. <laughs> and then Maxwell just replies that he knows there's no reason for a science station in this in this system. So it's just like a, a little bit, but it's kind of Maxwell admitting like, well, I don't really have proof, but I kind of think these things. So Amy, what do you think of this one and whether it should be kept in? Okay, I've thought about this quite a bit because when I look at the original on screen, And I love that bit. And I just feel that it's so perfect. And then to see this, and I'm like, okay, does it really contribute? The fact that he says, no, there's no documentation is critical. That's a fact. That's a sticking point that emboldens Picard and makes his point even that much more. But not having it, like then we're wanting Picard to be right, even though it's not said that there's no documentation. So I'm back and forth on it. I like, I really feel that as it is on screen is perfect. And to have that little bit of ambiguity makes it even more of a leap for us as watchers to trust Picard. So I'm on the fence. What say ye, Joe? I would go to the movies to see a movie 
which was entirely Patrick Stewart reading the phone book from any country. Because like this, anytime we get to see phone it, book? And obviously what's, in what's this, that show? What's a phone book? <laughs> you know what a phone I book know, is? I know, I used to use them, but who uses I them? I know. We still get them delivered from time to time. You, like, okay, right? so no. Well, British telecoms, like our big really? kind okay. of telephone provider well, let's, over let's, here. Let's, let's be more up to date. We need a movie where Patrick Stewart reads all of his tweets that he's ever yeah. put out. No, <laughs> that might be quite interesting. <laughs> okay, to some of his tweets, but something I don't know. Um, a list of a list of a points. list of the prime numbers up to a million. <laughs> oh, I would so go see that. <laughs> oh, Sign me up. Where? Buy my ticket. Yeah. Purchase here. So the point <laughs> is that yeah, Patrick Stewart is such a phenomenal actor that we get to see him argue with somebody that's of the same rank. There was a phrase that Ken Tripp used from Standard Orbit when we had our crossover, and he spoke about ranks on like Navy vessels and mm-hmm. like Starfleet vessels being like you might have the same rank as somebody but they might be higher up in the chain of command mm-hmm. than you. So I think it's just really interesting to see Picard and Maxwell have this kind of back and forth. But obviously it's Picard's ship, so he was kind of in charge. Well, and plus the Enterprise is, you know, the, the lead, flagship. The flagship. Yeah. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. you're right, even though they have the same rank, Picard still has that seniority or that upper hand, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, how do you get to become a captain of a... A Starfleet vessel, and dis- make that decision where you've got a hunch about something that's so important, and not run it by your superiors. Well, I mean, he didn't run it by his superiors, and he yeah. just got his crew to go along and set the course and go. I mean, that's all that you really need to go rogue, right? Yeah, just that's what he did. Go rogue, yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so those are the deleted scenes for the wounded. I mean, I think it's interesting that there were so many in in there. Maybe we'd only keep a few. Okay, wow. So we went through the deleted scenes for five of the eight episodes, but we're actually going to leave the ones for Galaxy's Child, Cupid, and the host for the next time. And we might combine that also with some from season five. But I hope, listeners, that you enjoyed our discussion of deleted scenes. As usual, it went to some interesting places. <laughs> so, yeah. So I love these watching these deleted scenes because I I literally was watching and then I noticed I was like I am smiling it just watching TNG always brings a smile to my face and I just it's the strangest thing and so I'm so glad we get to go through them and you know sort of relive these episodes and you know decide is this really worth it but either way I'm glad that I've seen them even though I didn't vote to have all of them kept so listeners if you have a chance please go back through and watch the deleted scenes they're great yeah and i I just want to add also before you put in your thoughts joe that i think it is great to see these things and whenever you see it like if you haven't seen these deleted scenes before it's like unearthing new lost footage that you can just enjoy all the more and i love that there are these bits that we get and i think it's great when we talk about it and talk about all kinds of things and uncover big discoveries (laughs) <laughs> apparently i think what's really important for us i think the reason why the next generation is so important we're all of a kind of roughly similar similar age mm-hmm. so like the next generation aired during our formative years but i was the only one of a of the three of us i think that didn't watch it when it first aired right oh okay 
Yeah. Yeah, he came in with 09. Well, not exactly. I watched Voyager in 96, 97 for a season. Yeah, but that's but, Voyager. We're talking next <sighs> time. I love Voyager. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But, but, I love all. But, but yeah, like, but I was the one that wasn't watching it, but you guys were watching it really at the same yes. time, yeah. So it holds a really, a really special place, certainly in my heart. It's, and I've said it before, it's like that comfort blanket that is always there. Yeah. You always know it's going to be there. Even the episodes, they might not be your favorite. It's always just nice to put on a, a TNG episode. And the fact that they're all on Netflix as well, it's just so easy. Mm-hmm. Switch on your TV and they're instantly there. I know. How crazy that I actually had to put a disc in my DVD player. I'm like, what is this insanity? It's crazy. I've, yes. And like, how the do you, technology. I had to figure out how to switch on as well. I know, right? It's like, oh What's man, this? it's been forever. And you know, it, it, it <laughs> takes a little time. You put in the disc, it's like, what language do you want? And there are these, oh, these promos you have to, to skip through. <laughs> Yeah. It's like the dark ages. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but, but and we're complaining. Cool. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, Justin, I think you have a preview of next week's episode. I do. So, Joe, you'll be away next week. Oh, can I do this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Well, hey, listeners, next week, uh, Joe is going to be away, but we are going to have a wonderful guest, Nicholas Paul Collinson. He was actually on The Edge, so if you want to listen to that, you can find him there. And we're going to be talking about our favorite non-human species in TNG. So really looking forward to this. Uh, Nick has is doing his studies right now, getting his doctorate in biology. And the, so he's we're having another science person come <gasps> on. Joe, sorry. I'm annoyed. I'm going to miss it. Yeah, really looking You're the one that's away it. next week. <laughs> I know. It's an important yeah, event, okay. though. My my wee sister, my wee sister, very Scottish, um, is 40 today. Oh, wow. And she lives in Oxford, which is about 300 miles away. And we're all going down for her party. Oh, oh tell, tell her happy birthday. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I will do. Thank you. Amy, I think I know what one of your choices will be, but we'll see if I'm wrong. I. You might surprise us. Okay, I'm going to try and surprise you, but yeah. <laughs> well, we all know what one of them is going to be. Well, maybe what? maybe now that I've said it, she'll pick something else. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And now I'm curious to know what you think I'm going to pick, because I don't even know what I'm going to pick yet. I haven't I was going to say Betazoid it. because of Troy. Well, I was going to say obviously Betazoid. Oh, obviously. I was thinking like more... Alien. Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay. well, it just says, does say non-human, even if they look like yeah, humans. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, anyway... That's okay. Cool. Well, it's been so much fun talking about deleted scenes in season four of TNG, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here is what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Earl Grey. Okay, that's excellent. And it'll be interesting to see how we interpreted the topic because I know I may have interpreted it uh, maybe a little differently than others did. We'll see. Is this another time travel thing? No, I was, I was going to say... No time travel for me, as long as Jellicoe doesn't come into this. Sure. Okay, that's, we'll make okay. that deal then. Awesome. <laughs> I'm in. All right. Literary treks. And, you know, the, the stakes are, are really big. You know, we'll, we'll get there, but, you know, this Borg ship threatens Earth and all this kind of stuff, and it just feels like it, it's, it's a lot of really comic booky, over-the-top stuff doesn't quite fit right with the novel that came before it and the novel that came after it if that makes sense <laughs> primitive culture 
a look at history and culture through Star Trek. And Next Gen arriving was was this sort of, wow, wow, this is, looks incredible. I know when we look at sort of first season Next Gen now, what we're going is, wow, this is really slow and stagey. But in fact, it was, it was incredible. It was absolutely um, game-changing. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Only because I was watching little bits of Emissary recently is that he would see himself wearing that awful purple swimsuit and think, oh God, I can't wear that. <laughs> oh my every, gosh. Every time I see it, I'm like, whoa, I'm really glad I'm not wearing 24th century clothing. <laughs> if you wanted me to murder an entire society, fine. <laughs> but I'm not wearing that bathing suit. Too revealing. Oh. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> That's funny. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show, and we might read your review on air. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. Ciao. Well, me, sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was away somewhere. I was trying to think about Prime what we for where... No, where people can contact you. I was like, I have to think of something to say. And I got lost in thought. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm back. I'm back, though. Okay. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. And there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. So you guys want a bonus question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bonus question time. Okay, so I don't... That's how excited uh, I am about the bonus I questions. I think you like it more than the rest of the show. Maybe we should just have a, a show that's just bonus questions for you. Bonus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so... And you'll have to tell me if this would take too much time to think of, but what is something you would have liked to see as a deleted scene on season four of TNG? Any episode. Oh, that was on air that should have been deleted? Oh, that's an even better question. I was thinking is that what you're I was asking? thinking something that never got filmed that should have been filmed as a deleted scene, but maybe that's too hard. Maybe something... Uh, might have been a bit gruesome, but more of Picard's assimilation. You wanted to see more mm. of Picard's assimilation? Like, details, what did you want to see? <laughs> you know the bit in First Contact where there's the... Before he wakes up there's and there's the thing in this cornea mm-hmm. yeah. bends just before he wakes up, that kind of thing. And obviously people get limbs severed and to have their Borg armatures put on. That I know special effects wise, it might have been a bit tricky, but... I might have. So you wanted the the horror movie cool version, the extended version of Picard being assimilated. Wow. Okay. If the, if they'd made it now, you know it would be, would be more gruesome. Yeah. By by, well, by yeah, the way, 
That that was actually in the first part, but that's okay. Maybe more in a flashback in the second but, part. But yeah, so that's what I was thinking because, like in Discovery, we have Ash oh, Tyler yeah. reliving, you know, the transformation from Voke and how it was that flashback, and just you hear the mm-hmm. the buzz the saws, buzz saws yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, it's there. You you blink if you blink, you miss it. But that very interesting. I could see that as flashbacks mm-hmm. coming through, especially. Yeah. Yeah. But and they could have made it work though, because at the beginning of the deleted scene, the Riker Troy in the ready room conversation, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it segues to that from Picard and the single tear that rolls down his cheek. Yeah. Ooh, or you could have Troy sort of those <gasps> as her like flashbacks mentally. or or her oh, yes. sensing. Feeling <gasps> feeling his pain. Yeah, I wanna Ooh. see that. That's my answer oh, too. Poor Troy. Okay. <laughs> That's your answer too. Okay. Yeah. So we went dark there. Yeah, I'm gonna maybe go a little lighter. Um, you know, so in in family, we like to talk about uh, what happens with Picard and Robert. We talked today about Wesley and Jack Crusher, but there's also a part with with Worf and his foster parents, the Rojenkos. I want to see more of mm-hmm. them. I think they're like they're a lot of fun and they're great people in the episode. And I just want to see some deleted scenes that might have happened with with them because I think they're just delightful and you really just see them there. And then you see Helena, what is it? Uh, uh, later on dropping off Alexander. Is that what happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, yeah, I, I would rather seen more in family of them. Yeah. I could totally see that because you know that they would be telling anyone who would listen. Well, when Worf was little, he'd do this, you know, the little Worf stories. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, that's yeah, my answer too. That's your answer too. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a third answer? You're allowed a third, Amy. Okay. So deleted scenes. <laughs> I would want no Vosh and Picard moment in Cupid. I don't like Vosh. So you just delete the hmm. episode or put somebody else in? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think that it's how we first get to know, know Nella Darren in that episode. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, very interesting all right so amy where can people contact you when you're not writing directing and acting deleted scenes that were never filmed all in your head well when i'm not doing that (laughs) and inserting marina Sirtis's troy in all of them um you can find me here on the network where i co-host the edge with patrick devlin and that is about our star trek discovery you can find me on twitter at miss amy nelson and I'm right there in the Babel Conference, so you can find me there. So, Joe, where can people contact you when you are not finding factors of 16309? Yeah, when I'm not factorizing prime numbers, you can find me on Twitter. Hold on, at Joe we Joe's. cannot do that. What? Prime numbers do not have factors. Oh, what? sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, we cannot let that Delete go that out. Delete that scene. Into... Okay, what, 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 I don't... Well, no, you could try and factorize no, no, you, them. You all, just all you, won't get all you have to say okay, is try. when I'm not figuring out if a number yeah. is prime or not. Uh, okay, okay yes. so when I'm... <laughs> when you're not deciphering if a number is prime or not. Okay, when I'm not failing to factorize prime numbers. <laughs> yeah, does that work? Okay, I'll no. allow it. Okay, thanks. When I'm not failing to factorize prime numbers, you can find me on Twitter at joeyjoe77uk. You can email me, joepodcasts at gmail.com, or you can find me on the Babel Conference. 
And Justin, where can people find you when you're not researching and reliving your family ancestry? Hmm. Well, well, you can find me elsewhere on the network, co-hosting The Line. That's our podcast about Star Trek Picard with my friends Chrissy DeClerc-Zalagi and Brandon Shamatala. We're currently talking about some things related to Picard in the run-up to the show next year, and then we will be talking about each episode as it airs. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. I've currently been tweeting about some episodes in my Voyager rewatch. I'm currently in Season 5. Um, and you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trebuzio, Joe Keegan, Jim McMahon, and me, Justin Ozer. Thank you for supporting Trek FM, and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Deleted scenes are only impossible until they're filmed. The line must be drawn here.